five. I'll take my watch off, shall I? And put it on here. <laughs> um, uh, psalm 105. And I want to direct your attention, yes, to the psalm, but particularly to the words in verse five. Verse five of Psalm 105. A simple phrase. Remember the wonders he has done. Remember the wonders he has done. If you go to Kidderminster, used to be famous for its carpets, didn't it? Uh, but uh, two, three hundred years ago, a minister came to the church there. And his comments about Kidderminster and the church, the Church of England, which is right in the center, his comment was there was perhaps one person or one family in each street of Kidderminster, which had been much smaller then, who showed any interest in the things of God. Just one family in each street roughly, had any idea about the things of God. He was there 14 years. And they had to build five galleries. I've never been in the church. I don't know if it's the same church there now. But they had to build five galleries so that when he left after 14 years, and he was one of the Puritans, this wasn't the evangelical movement of the 18th century, this is pre-18th century. And he could say, as he looked around Kidderminster, that there was probably only one family in every road who hadn't been touched with the gospel. Only one family who hadn't been touched with the gospel. It's been complete transformation in that 14 years. And of course he gives all the glory to God. Richard Baxter and you'll see his statue there. It's good that there's a statue to a gospel preacher, isn't it? I don't think he saw anything like that in the next few years of his life where he ministered. But it does remind us that he was privileged to see something of the wonders of God in the conversion of many people. Remember then my dear friends, remember the wonders he has done. And that's a call to us, really, isn't it? To remember. It's increasingly difficult, I find it. <laughs> I've probably demonstrated that today. Uh, increasingly difficult to, to remember, isn't it? I just am comforted sometimes when someone far younger than me forgets something. Uh, and uh, uh, I can remember it for them. Uh, so, but, but remembering is, is, is difficult, isn't it? Um, We have a, a series of photograph albums. I'm not sure how popular photograph albums are today. But I do like, from time to time, to, to go through them, to remember all sorts of things that the photographs tell you about people and people you've been associated with, our own family and wider family and friends and, uh, and God's people that we've been involved in. It's lovely to remember those things. Remember the wonders he has done. I was watching part of a program. It didn't grip me too much on the Grand Canyon, but the bit I did see of the Grand Canyon was amazing. 
through these guys that were trying to go down the river through the rapids and that was concentrating on the river really but 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 amazing wonder of the grand canyon there's some wonderful sites aren't there in the world i've never seen many big sites we haven't traveled very much but i've seen the wonder of niagara that's a tremendous tremendous thing to see but i've also seen the wonder of st brillard's bay in jersey if you've never been to st brillard's bay in jersey it's one of the most wonderful beaches you can ever imagine millionaires buy houses and extend them on the hill around the bay the racing driver whose name escapes me, who retired many years ago. He's as old as me, nearly. <laughs> he had a great big property, uh, Nigel Mansell, uh, on the bay there. And, and, and you know what? It's, it's absolutely beautiful, this bay. And Rachel and I were able to enjoy every day off from April to October, every year for 11 years, free. We just go on the beach and enjoy it. Wonderful, wonderful, great wonder. Spurgeon refers to St. Brillard's Bay in one of his sermons. He had poor health and sometimes went to Jersey to restore his health and, and wrote a certain, uh, preached a sermon based on, on, on the bay. And there's all sorts of, I'm sure, places that you've been to remind you of great, wonderful things. But here we asked, well, here we're exhorted to remember the wonders that God has done. Remember the wonders that God has done. And if you noticed from the reading, the, the author of the psalm is careful in the way he records some of the wonders of God. Of course, he hasn't recorded all the wonders of God, has he? He doesn't mention creation. He doesn't mention lots of things from the Old Testament period. But he does record a number of things. He, re, he refer, first of all refers to the people of God the people that he's talking to, the covenant people of God. And then he refers to the patriarchal period, the time Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And then he, 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 he refers to the Joseph history. And then he refers to Moses and the Exodus. And then he refers to the journey through the desert. And then he refers to the entrance to the promised land. He's carefully selected various elements of early Old Testament history to show us the wonders that God has done. And you see, there, there were wonders in their own right, but there were also wonders because through it all, what was God doing? He, well, he, he, had, he had entered into a covenant with a group of people and uh, he was going to eventually bring his son into the world through this people. So his, his interests were very carefully, as it were, focused in upon this group of people, the Israelites. And so all through their history, uh, there was this great aim in view that eventually the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, would come into the world through this people. And so these things are pointing, of course, forward to that. But in their own right, they are still individual, as it were, wonders that God has done. Remember the wonders he has done. And then we'll apply that. What should we do in response to that. And some of the things here, as it were, could be uh, one or two of the things we finished with this morning. Uh, but there they are. They're there in the Word of God. And uh, those are contained in the first four verses and the last verse, particularly. The, our exhortation to how we should respond to the wonders God has done.
So, first of all, to whom is the psalmist addressing himself? When he says to them, remember the wonders he has done. Well, clearly, they're people who know God. Look at verse 6. You, his servants, his chosen ones. These people can say, he is the Lord our God. You see, these people are already in relationship with this God. Here are people who know the Lord. They're the Lord's people. That's who he's addressing. He's calling upon us, who are the Lord's people tonight. He's saying to us, through the word, remember the wonders he has done. Remember the wonders of your God, that your God. Just like these people could say, he is our God. I'm sure there's a lot of us here tonight who can say this same God is our God. If you remember when you first came to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. I remember going to a beach mission when I was nine years old and being affected by the ministry. Even though I was brought up in a Christian family and Christian church. And then going on a holiday when I was 15, being affected deeply by the ministry then. Do you remember the way God led you, the way God saved you, brought you to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ so that you can say, yeah, I'm one of those privileged people by his grace. He's, he's my God. He's my saviour. He's my Lord. So we are being called upon to remember the wonders he has done. So what are the wonders that he refers to? How do they apply to us? Well, first of all, he, he reminds us of God's covenant promises. God's covenant promises. Uh, look at verse 8. Speaking of God, he remembers his covenant forever. The promise he made for a thousand generations. This covenant he made with Abraham. The oath he swore to Jacob. Confirmed it to, ja- to Isaac. Confirmed it to Jacob and to Israel as an everlasting covenant. To you I will give the land of Cain, the portion you will have. Here's this great covenant promise that God gives to Abraham. Abraham, who who was an idol worshipper, and suddenly God intervened in his life and, and brought him into faith in God, the living God, and then gave him these these great promises and confirmed them to his son, his grandson. And these promises... Uh, which he made. He promised, didn't he? He promised him a son. Even though Abraham and Sarah weren't able to have children, naturally. God promised them a son. God promised them a land. And although Abraham and Isaac and Jacob only travelled about, as it were, in that land for a while, he still promised them a land. And he promised that through the son that he would bring the chosen one into the world. There will come one through your seed who would bless the whole world. One of the early promises, covenant promises concerning the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And and, and the psalmist is saying to us, remember, 
our God is a God who makes promises and keeps his promises. That's a great wonder tonight, that our God promises so many things to us and keeps them. We can look back at how he has kept them to give us confidence that he will keep them for the future. The Old Testament is full of promises concerning the coming of the Messiah. To us a child is born, unto us a son is given. The government will be on his shoulders. He'll be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Promises concerning the suffering of the Messiah in Isaiah 53. So, gospel promises God had made. And God kept those promises, fulfilled those promises in Christ and in his salvation. And then Jesus, he promised to build his church. And he's done it. He's doing it. The work is still being done, but he's continued to do it. There's been so much opposition to the church. It's amazing, isn't it? The the gospel work goes on in such simple ways. Through, through word, through the preaching of the word, through testimony, through, through the love of Christ being shown to men and women. All simple ways. And you think of all the efforts to silence the gospel over the generations. And the church is still growing. And in the last 200 years has grown amazingly. And is growing amazingly. Not here very much. In the UK, it's growing, but very slowly. But in other parts of the world, amazingly, it's growing. God fulfills his promises, you see. What about when we get into times of discouragement? Well, listen to God's word. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary. His understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired tired and weary and young men stumble and fall, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faith. That's an absolute promise of God's word. Listen. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. God's promises are a great encouragement to us. A great wonder. In the New Testament, God says, My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Remember the wonders of God's promises. Remember the wonders of God's protection of his people. Look what he says next. Verse 12. He talks about the patriarchal period again. And he's saying that there were only small numbers of people really. 
if you take Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and their families, by the time we get to Jacob, his family extended to uh, 70 when they went down into Egypt. So we're talking about small numbers of people. And there were all sorts of rulers in Canaan. And they were traveling here and there. What we're being told is, consider the wonders of this, that God protected his people. God protected his people. Isn't that wonderful? God protected them. He protected Abraham from Pharaoh. Even though Abraham in Egypt had told lies about his wife. God, in his covenant mercy, protects his, his own. We fail, don't we? We fail. And God still loves us, amazingly, and protects us. You know the story of Elisha and his servant. And they come under attack from an army. And the whole, the hills are covered with these armies. And, and the, Elisha's servant happens to go out and see this. And he's panicking. Rushes back into Elisha. Elisha, Elisha, what are we going to do? Look at all that's going on here. And Elisha says, Lord, open his eyes. Round about them were, were as it were, the armies of angels. Protecting them keeping them. The psalmist was able to say, the Lord is my shepherd. I, uh, your rod and your staff, they come for me. Because the rod and the staff help to protect the sheep. The rod, a club-like instrument to protect them from the wild animals. The, the shepherd's crook, the rod, the, the staff was often used by the shepherd just to tap the sheep when he started to stray. Your rod and staff, you see, the enemy. Protecting the sheep from enemies. Protecting the sheep from themselves. Our God is a God who protects his own. When Jesus was praying in John chapter 17, just before he went to the cross, he prays particularly that God the Father would protect his people protect them. He said, I protected them while I was here on earth. Will you now protect them? Well, we know when Jesus asks for something, the Father's not going to deny him. So if you're a child of God tonight, remember the wonder of his protection of us as his people. Remember the wonders, not only of his protection, but remember the wonders of his, what I've called his providential interventions, God's providential intervention. And he does this through the story of Joseph. And if you look at it from a human perspective, the story of Joseph is one disaster after another for Joseph. Joseph had been given dreams of what his future was going to look like. And when he told the dreams, of course, to his brothers and his father, it was received with, uh, well, it was a very mixed reception, wasn't it? In fact, it was worse than that. It, it produced in his brothers a hatred for him. Uh, and here's this young man of 17, 
hated by his family. And, uh, and then they sell him as a slave. And what's going on in his mind? Is he saying to God, what about those dreams? <laughs> and then he becomes a slave in Egypt. And, and then lies are told about him. He's imprisoned. And, and then in prison, he interprets dreams for two of Pharaoh's servants and says to the one who goes back to his job, don't forget me. And he forgot him for two years. What was happening? God was about to do something wonderful. He was going to providentially intervene at that time. And suddenly, he would come to the help of the Egyptians. He would come to the help of his people, Israel, because a famine came. A famine that would last for seven years. And so Joseph was raised up just at the right time by God in Egypt to give Pharaoh the interpretation of his dreams. And Pharaoh appoints him in charge. And, and for seven years he prepares for this famine that was to come so that the peoples, even the other nations round and about during those seven years of famine, came to Joseph to be fed. God was working out his purposes, providentially intervening in what seemed like a disaster for Joseph for a few years. You meant evil towards me, he said to his brothers later, but God meant it for good to the saving of many lives. That's how God works. He works down through history, providentially, intervening in the world's history. And even in our histories, so that we can say with Paul in Romans 8, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love God and are called according to his promise. God continues to intervene providentially for his people. And he has done down through the centuries of the church. Read a book recently. I picked up in a, sec in a, in a Christian bookshop, but it have a, they have a secondhand uh, section which fits my pocket, 50p, I think it was. Peter Lewis, who used to be in, um, a minister in Nottingham, and uh, he said that on one occasion he was asked to go and preach um, in a, uh, the establishment of a new church in Doncaster. And evidently, Doncaster um, was a centre for the Romans, when the Romans invaded these shores. And he said, as I looked round, he said, I was, people were singing the hymn just before the sermon. He said, I was standing at the, at the pulpit and looking round. And he says, um, I, I looked at the rusted emblems of Rome's military supremacy and the faded glories of her Caesars in glass cases. And here were Christians, living celebrants of a living Lord whose kingdom would outlast every other kingdom. Why? Well, because our God is a God of wonders. And kingdoms come and kingdoms go. But his kingdom is continually being built. And sometimes he builds it at such a rate, bringing many into his kingdom. God intervenes. My dear friends, it's good for you to read Christian history. 
It's good for you to read what happens in this country in the past and what God has done in other countries and what he's doing in other countries. Read Christian biography about God's providential intervening in the history of this world and how he has mightily blessed the preaching of the gospel in many, time, many times. Remember the wonders of his providential interventions. And then remember the wonders of his powerful act of salvation. He takes us to the Exodus. I'm not going to read it. We've read it. He takes us to the Exodus. And this is tremendous, the Exodus. It's the event of the Old Testament. There's over a million people enslaved. And God brings them out. And it is forever in Old Testament times a picture of God's saving grace. And it's a picture of you and I who are in our lost estate, as it were, slaves of sin and Satan. And, and God comes to us and, and shows to us the gospel and, and shows to us the Lord Jesus Christ, comes to us and saves us by his grace. Here's the wonders of God. He's a God who saves, isn't he? We are a very small fellowship. We're very conscious about being a small fellowship. And uh, uh, one of our families that come, and lady, she's been a Christian 13 years, and her daughter, 19, she has cerebral palsy, and she has been a Christian just a couple of years. And she was baptized, one of the people baptized last year. And the father's been coming with them, uh, her father, the, the lady's husband, has been coming to the services for a couple of years where we are. And then, around about April time, the girl, Sean, she became ill, very seriously ill, and was in Liverpool Hospital for um, 12 weeks. And I wondered, I, and I prayed, I started praying for the father, her father. Lord, what about this? What's he, what's he going to react? How's he going to react in this time? Halfway through, we were away visiting relatives for a wedding in Cumbria. And when we came, well, we didn't, it wasn't when we came back. We got a text message uh, just at the end of the morning service. Richard's been saved this morning. At this very difficult point in his life, with his daughter very ill, God intervened and saved him suddenly. That's what, the, that's what gospel work's all about, isn't it? People being saved, being added. That's the wonder of the gospel. He's a new man. Our pastor went to see him a week or so later just to talk with him. And he came back and he talked to me and he said, you know, it's amazing. The change in him is amazing. Now we've seen people convert before. He just, he just said, but it's, it's so fresh and new. He's got a new way of thinking. New way of living for the first time, as it were. That's... Why Jesus came. That's why Jesus gave himself upon the cross. That's why we're going to remember him in a moment. Because he came to save men and women from their sins. Maybe you're not saved tonight. I don't know. I don't know. He can save you tonight. Cry out to him. Call upon him. Ask him to save you. There were people who were saved at the cross. The thief centurion as Jesus was dying and he's still saving people and he won't stop saving people till he comes again 
That's the wonders of God. He's the God who saves. And then he's the God who looks after his people. We talked about him protecting his people, but what about providing for his people? Because his people left Egypt, and where did they go? They went into a desert for 40 years, partly their own fault, wasn't it? It was their own fault. <coughs> it's interesting, isn't it? It was their own fault. And what did God do for them? Did he give up on them? No. He fed them, didn't he? He provided their needs for 40 years. We're told their shoes didn't wear out. Wow. They had bread in the morning. They had meat in the evening. He opened rocks for them to drink water, refreshing water. He provided for his people. There's a time when King David was driven out of his kingdom by his own son, Absalom. And as he goes off with some of his people, there's an old man comes along, can't do very much, Barzillai. He provides food for the king, for his people. God uses means, you see, to provide for his people. When Elijah was facing a year, three years of famine, he didn't know that it would only be three years, it was a time of famine, God provided for him with a brook and with ravens. Then he sent him to a rich person? No, no, he sent him north to Gentile territory to a poor widow who was about to have her last meal with her son. And God provided for her, for her son, and for Elijah. God loves his people, you see. Cares for Remember the wonders of the provisions that God makes for us on a natural level, on a spiritual level. He's the God who cares for his people. And not only does he care for us on the journey, but he cares about the destination. He provided Israel with a destination. He brought them into the promised land. And my dear friends, if you're a Christian tonight, he's going to bring you into the glorious promised land. He's going to bring you into his eternal presence. He's covenanted. Hymn writer says, when I fear my faith will fail, Christ will hold me fast. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There's nothing that can separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. He will bring us safely through to our eternal inheritance. You see, through all the changing scenes of life, in trouble, Oh, this is not a recipe for no trouble, but in trouble and in joy. We experience the providential care of God over our lives. We, we referred to it this morning when I was talking about when Rachel and I went to Bulkington and, and, and the resources were so few, so few, and God never let us down. I remember one old lady saying to me when uh, we got to a point where a Christian trust rang us and said, would you like some money? The only problem is the church have got to call you full-time. If the church calls you full-time, you can have 12,000 pounds over three years. And our membership was 14. And they voted. But before they voted to accept this offer, 
One of the elderly ladies said to me, Roger, what happens if we sink? I said, well, I'll sink as well. <laughs> but, no, you know, but it was, it was a thought that came into me. But my dear friends, if God is in it, if God has called, if God is building his church, then God will provide for his people. He, he, he promises to. How should we respond? Briefly. Look at the first few verses. Let me just point them out to you. Very obvious. How should we respond? Praise him. Give praise to the Lord. Sing to him. Sing praise to him. Glory in his holy name. There you are. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. We should be a rejoicing people as we remember biblical wonders, as we remember historical wonders, as we remember the wonders in our own experience of what God has done for us. There should be a song of praise going up from us tonight. We've sought to do it, haven't we? We've sought to praise the Lord tonight, worship him for his wonders. We should praise him. What should we do? Secondly, proclaim him, the psalmist says. Proclaim his name. Make known among the nations what he has done. Sing to him. Pray. Tell of all his wonderful acts. Tell. Proclaim. Let everybody know about it. Charles Wesley wrote, Preach him to all and cry in death, Behold the Lamb. Seek opportunities to give your personal testimony. Seek to be light and salt. Seek to be useful in the Lord's service, in the kingdom. Seek to give yourself uh, to the work of the gospel as you're able, as God he gifts you and equips you to help in the work of the gospel here. Be one who will draw alongside and, and where there is need for, for gospel laborers, be there. Why? Because of all the wonders of God. All the wonders of God. You want children to know the wonders of God. You want adults to want to know the wonders of God. You want men to know the wonders of God. And ladies to want, you want everyone to know, don't you, the wonders of God. So we must be involved in proclaiming it. Living and proclaiming and, and seeking to give a reason for the hope that we have. But what else comes out in these four verses? The third thing is this. Seek him. Seek him. Seek his face always. What's he telling us to do? Pray that God's wonders will be known. Pray that men and women will come to see the wonders of Christ and his death and resurrection and the gospel. Pray. My dear friends, John Stevens, I don't know if he's been here recently, but he's on his tours that he's been making, he reckons that there are two point something percent of our population who know Christ. 98% don't know Christ. If ever there was a day that we should be praying, it's now for our nation, for our community. The communities are growing. Somebody said to me this morning, Pastor's growing. More and more people who need to hear the gospel, need to be saved. We should be a, a people of prayer. God does wonders and he does them in answer to prayer. And finally, the last verse. Remember the wonders he has done. Why? 
that they may keep his precepts and observe his laws. Be a people who please the Lord. Seek to be a people who please the Lord. How do we please the Lord? What he says we will do, where he sends we will go. Never fear, only trust and obey. Praise him for his wonders. Proclaim his wonders. Seek him to reveal the wonders of his love and his power in our day. And seek by God's grace to please him. So let us remember the wonders of his love. Let's sing our communion hymn, shall we? together.